The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast. There's alert force standing by. Captain Curtis, take a platoon to get down to the school. So worried. Boy, we're not out of options yet. Marines have no qualms about killing Martians. Hey everyone, it's another episode of Loose Cannons coming at ya. Today we're going to be discussing 1986's Invaders from Mars, directed by Toby Hooper. Um, and this will be our last, I guess, normal format podcast of the year. Uh, we've got the Asian action canon coming up. Um... And then after that, we're going to be doing all of our 2017 podcasts. Um, But before we do that, or this, let's (laughs) uh, do a little segment we like to call Heralds and Denouncements. Got the whole crew here today, so Patrick, do you have anything? Uh, (laughs) uh, Yes, I want to denounce a documentary that I watched called Voyeur. Um, it's a movie that I think tries to have kind of aspirations of, uh, I don't know, like making a, a, like fascinating character out of this guy who basically ran this motel so All that right. he could watch people that stayed in it for, for years and years. And, um, it's all, it also sort of centers around this journalist who's doing the story on him, uh, but I, I thought that it, I don't know, it, it's a movie that feels very, like, off uh, now that we live in sort of a, you know, like, a, a landscape where men are finally being called out for their bad behavior. It, it feels like a movie that, if it had come out before all of this started happening, like, it I could have, like, excused, like, okay, well, I see what they were trying to do. Like, they weren't really with the times. But now it just feels really (laughs) not of the time. Like, it was Mm -hmm. made several years ago, and they finally got around to actually putting it out now. But it it just feels feels gross in a way where the whole movie, they sort of avoid, like, calling this guy out for being, like, a a pervert, basically. And I, I know that they, like they have segments in it where, like, people, I don't know, like, people who aren't part of the production, like, say things like that, or there are, like, news stories about it, but it feels somehow removed from the story. It feels removed from the point of view of the people making the movie, and I I feel like they, I don't know, I feel like there should be some sort of accountability on their part Mm -hmm. to say, like, yeah, we we realize that this guy is like the worst, <laughs> and a they massive it, creep. Yeah, and that it never feels like they go down that path. It feels like they give him the benefit of the doubt like constantly throughout the movie. And I was just like, that feels gross to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's a poorly made documentary. Um, it just it feels like they make that huge misstep constantly throughout the movie, and. For that reason, like the whole thing made me very uncomfortable, um, and it also felt at times like they were a little too enamored of the uh, the journalist in the movie too. Like they they give him a little bit too much rope, and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't really care that much <laughs> about his, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know the, the the way that they shoot a lot of his stuff. It's like they they left in outtakes that should have been taken out of the movie just because I think that they find him to be a fascinating subject. And I'm just like, I don't really like need to see how the sausage is made here. (laughs) You could have, you could have just glossed over that for me. Sure. It's yeah. I, I, it's not one that's going to make my bottom of the year Mm -hmm. list, but uh, it's one that I didn't enjoy enough to denounce. 
for a second when you said the voyeur, I figured I thought that someone had remade the Tinto Brass movie. <laughs> yeah. Which no. would be really like an, <laughs> an, I mean, an interesting this... idea to remake a Tinto Brass movie uh, in 2017. Yeah, you could remake a Tinto Brass movie about this guy, probably. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. That actually, like, this is just a very short, hopefully, side note, but uh, Tinto Brass is like, it's like one of my granddad's, or used to be one of my granddad's favorite filmmakers. Nice. And I remember, I distinctly remember the scene when I was a kid, when we were in, living in Moscow, and my granddad and my grandma watched... Uh, I think it was Caligula. I don't remember. Oh, I think it was Caligula. <laughs> and, like, or maybe it was someone else, but, like, what I remember is I was, like, I was kind of, like, they kept saying, we're going to watch this movie. You're not allowed to, like, watch it with us. And so when they watched it, I kind of, like, snuck into the room when they were watching it and, like, kind of tried to, like, check it out, but, like, I couldn't really see anything because I had to, like, hide behind a chair. Like, it was a bit uh-huh. awkward. But what I could hear is, like, my granddad, like, briefly saying something, like, uh, to my grandma. Uh, he was like, uh, yeah, people say they, they kind of like this thing. I don't really like it. <laughs> and only later that I realized they were probably talking about some sex act or whatever. And I was just like, and I was just like, like, hey, cool that they're like my grandparents having a pretty frank conversation about sex while watching like a sex movie um, mm-hmm. in Russia, where you you didn't used to get sex movies on TV. So that yeah. was fun. Anyway, sorry for that. <laughs> no, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Asshole. Yeah. Um, uh, I haven't watched a lot, so the only thing I can really denounce is The Room. I had never seen it before, and uh, it's, I mean, it is funny on occasion, but it's also really boring. It's extremely long. It, it feels like, like, even for, like, what little plot he's able to come up with, it's like, there's like 25 minutes of movie there that he stretches out to like an hour and 40 minutes, like... Uh, once the central, like, plot, like, conflict is set up, which is within the first, like, three minutes of the movie, like, nothing elaborates that conflict for the next, like, hour and a half until the movie's over, basically. And, uh, I mean, other people have already called it out, but, like, it's still sort of tough for me to fully, like, get on board with laughing at a movie that has, like, such an obviously, like, poisonous and terrible ideology towards women like uh it basically is like oh Tommy Wiseau he's such a nice guy and his fiance is just bored of him she's just bored of him he's boring and then she's gonna cheat on him behind his back and feel really gleeful about it but like that part is like very transparently misogynistic but then there's like all kinds of smaller stuff that's like just, like, worked in without any thought of, like, uh, like, at one point, Lisa is talking about how she wants to break up with, uh, his name's Johnny, not Tommy, but, uh, <laughs> uh, to his mom, and her mom's defense is basically, like, he takes care of you monetarily, so you shouldn't leave him, and, like, that's just presented at, like, face value as, like, a thing that, uh, and then, there's, like, another really weird part where, like, something gets broken at a party and Johnny's standing right next to it and he calls her over from the other side of the room to clean it up, but, like, in a really casual way where it's not even, like, he's making a demand. It's like, oh, that's, like, what you would do. Like, you're you're at your house with your fiancé. Hey, Lisa, come pick this up. Like, and I'm like, that's weird, like... That's obviously something he, like, completely has internalized to the point where he doesn't think that that's, like, a weird thing to, like, be standing next to a mess in your house and then call your fiancé over to clean it up. And I was like, this is unnerving and really boring, although there are some very funny parts. Yeah, yeah. I watched a third, or rewatched a third of Starship Troopers yesterday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it is 
fucking kicks ass. Still. Uh, so what the thing I kind of noticed this time is that actually, like my hot take so far, my on, on my three hundred fiftieth rewatch of this movie, uh, is that Denise Richards and the actress that plays Diz are by far the best actors in this movie <laughs> so far. Um, Better than Jake Busey? Yeah, Jake Busey's a very close third. Sorry about that. Yeah, Jake Busey's really great in it. Uh, but, like, Casper Van Dien sucks, and, like, Neil Patrick Harris also really not, not that good. Uh, but, I was, but it's not actually that as much, like, hating on those two, but, like, Denise Richards and, again, I don't remember, like, her, her name. Um, mm-hmm. But they are both really good. And, like, their characters are good, too. Like, they're interesting um, it's like way more interesting than whatever is happening to uh, the others uh, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I realized that Amy Smart makes a cameo in Starship Troopers. Yes, yeah, she does. She's the other pilot. Hadn't realized that before. Or hadn't really, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. noticed that as much. Um, and yeah, everything just flows together so really, really well. Uh, that whole like, just one scene into the next, it just like doesn't let up for, uh, for a second. Just on that level, it's really, really great. And, yeah, just all around scary <laughs> to notice how, like, this course and so on is changing to a point when Starship Troopers used to be clearly a dystopian <laughs> fiction, and now it's just a slightly heightened version of that, which, like, media narratives are feeding you every day. So. Verhoeven used to make science fiction films about that which Adam Curtis makes documentaries currently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought everyone was going to be doing the same thing as me, which is uh, I, I watched seven Asian action films this week. <laughs> I saw one 2017 film in the theater, which was neither Harold worthy nor denounce worthy. So... I got nothing. Nice. <laughs> yep. I could denounce the performance in it, but we're going to be hearing about that at the end of the uh-huh. year. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have even watched The Room except for, uh, well, I uh, Haley suggested it late at night and uh, when we were planning to see The Disaster Artist pretty soon, so I was like, well, I guess I should probably see this movie that this other movie is based on, I suppose. Hopefully, Franco's interpretation of Tommy Wiseau is very empathetic towards this misogyny. Because that's yeah. what we need more right. of. It's just like the possibility of redemption. Yes. For awful or people. Or redemption stories. Mm-hmm. Patrick, this was All your right. pick. It sure was. Tell us about Invaders from Mars. All right. Um, follows a boy whose name is David. I forget his last name. David something. Gardner. Um, David Gardner. Gardner. That's right. Gardner. I didn't know uh, that any of the characters in this movie had names. Oh, <laughs> well, they shout his name at a few points. Louis in the movie. Fletcher oh, shouts his name a lot. Yeah, Louis, yeah, Louis Fletcher <laughs> shouting at him a lot in this movie. Um, David Gardner is a young man who is very interested in space. Um, and after watching a meteor shower with his dad one night, he sees a spaceship land uh, somewhere near his backyard, not exactly in it, but uh, he goes to tell his parents. They don't really believe him, uh, but his dad said he'll, says he'll check it out in the morning. When he wakes up in the morning, his dad's acting weird, like he doesn't know where he is, and he's not the same person almost. And um, this sort of continues with different uh, adults and other children from his school uh, people start acting funny and he doesn't know why and then he realizes they all have this wound on the back of their neck where it looks like something has gone into them uh, and it turns out that they're being controlled by aliens they've all been infected and there's uh, actual the, the spaceship he saw land did land and it went, it went underground um, he sort of teams up with the school nurse to investigate the spaceship and try and figure out how to free his parents from the control of the aliens. Um, 
at a certain point the military gets involved and there's a big battle between the uh, Martians and the soldiers and they end up planting a bomb inside of the spaceship and they have to escape and he has to figure out a way to get his parents out of the uh, spaceship so that they can get the they, they figure out their little screws that they put in the back of people's necks that control them and uh, release them from control while also simultaneously destroying the spaceship as it tries to leave. So that's basically everything that happens in this movie. Pretty much. Um, I didn't like this movie. I would say for the first like hour or so, I really hated it. I didn't like the lighting at all. I didn't like the kids acting at all. Uh, but then in the last like half hour when it turns into like low-budget Starship Troopers, which is funny that Ilya had already <laughs> had yeah. watched it the day before, but uh, I thought it was a little bit better. I like some of the red. Uh, I like some of the weird like lights and funny special effects and the alien that kind of looks like Krang. <laughs> but I didn't like any of that enough to like the movie overall. But uh, that's get into more specifics, I guess, as we go along. Yeah, I uh, also didn't really like this movie very much. Um, <laughs> although uh, having read uh, Nathaxon Walker's uh, review mm. of it. Uh, it made me uh, reflect on a few things differently, although I didn't think the movie really went for that whole thing altogether, or was not as convinced. It sure is a really interesting read of it, uh, uh, and the read is basically that the uh, uh, movie is kind of uh, arguing for the fact that like a return to like 1950s era uh, gender politics and general politics is extremely frightening, something that like the 80s were uh, about, a lot of what like Reagan's politics were about, and that this movie kind of reflects that in some way. Um, I thought was like a definitely a very interesting read, but I just didn't really feel that way. Like the only scene that made me feel that was uh, when uh, the father who gets turned, right, and then he tells his wife that uh, he's gonna like they're gonna go up the hill. They're gonna go uh, up the hill after she finishes the dishes, and she's like, yeah. "After I finish the dishes, what's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay." So that that's like, okay. So he's turned into this like uh, very uh, binary model of <laughs> parenting misogynist bastards <laughs> from like uh, back when. Um, yeah, otherwise, I thought, yeah, I mean, giving a child this much to do in a movie is always a bit, a bit difficult. I mean, not a lot of child actors can pull that off. This one, this one definitely doesn't. <laughs> but it, it's really not a knock on him. I feel like it's almost too much to carry a whole movie when you're a kid. Like, it doesn't really separate him that much from the rest of the actors in this movie. Yeah, it would maybe exactly. be strange if the kid He's was He's not acting. any bit worse than, than the rest. Yeah, it's true. Um, so this movie was made by the Canon Group. And when that title appears on the screen at the very beginning, I was like, the Canon Group, that's us. And that was the, my high point in terms of excitement for this movie. It's pretty much straight downhill from there also i confused karen allen and karen black and so like 40 minutes into the movie i was like when does karen allen show up i like her and then i looked at the you know and i was like oh i inverted who karen allen and karen black are and i don't care about this person um yeah it's uh it's not schlocky enough to be like a total B movie and it's not biting enough to land any satire and uh, it's as Basil mentioned pretty boring to look at <laughs> so it's like Joe Dante wrote a script but then they got someone who doesn't know how to make a movie to direct it <laughs> 
Well, actually, Dan O'Bannon <laughs> Dan wrote O'Bannon. the script. Yeah, it's and he's Dan like, O'Bannon. You're he's close to Joe Dante. Pretty, pretty good stuff close over the years. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Someone wrote a script with some bite, and then someone who didn't know how to. Yeah. No. It's weird, though. any of that. So much for Toby Hooper, the auteur. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because on its face, I feel like I should like this. Like, based on all the players involved, I'm like, all right, Dan O'Bannon, screenplay, love it. Stan Winston effects, good stuff. Always, <laughs> always happy um, to see some Stan Winston effects. Uh, and I actually think some of the uh, designs here look kind of cool. Um, and they actually look pretty, like, high-budge. A lot of the mm-hmm. interiors of the spaceship look look nice, but, like, all the other stuff in it doesn't look good. Um, what do you think about the alien? Well, I think the aliens look good. Like, that's the thing is, like, I think everything inside the spaceship looks pretty cool. Yeah. I think it looks, like... Uh, yeah, I, I, I like intricate. the weird, like, fucked-up way that they look. I, I also yeah. really enjoyed when the kid calls the main alien Dick Brain, because that's exactly <laughs> yeah. how you look. Yeah. And I, I also do like that the children swear a lot of this too. Like I think that's pretty funny. Like even yeah. even the the kids at school like between one another are just like, Hey, shit for brains or whatever. And I was just like that's pretty funny. Like that's probably the way kids really converse with each other. Yeah. But it's um, like E. T. syndrome though. Like they do that E. T. as well. A little bit. But I don't know, this movie just it feels like it could be tightened up a lot more it feels like it kind of meanders at certain points and i was just like you could have just like i don't know what they could have done but just like tightened it up a little bit to where it was like it moves quicker because it feels like it takes forever for stuff to happen and there's a lot of shoe <laughs> leather in between where you're just like yeah. watching people go from point a to point b and i'm just like just get that a little tighter and this will be a much more enjoyable so you, know, you loved it. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, d- I didn't like it. Um, Two thumbs way up. <laughs> I, I think that the idea of the inversion of the aliens is um, not being this, like, you know, the threat of communism or whatever they were supposed to be in the original one to them being this, like, return to, you know, the, like, binary normalization of like 1950s values or whatever I think it's an interesting concept but I don't see it executed um, Mm -hmm. as well as it could have been like I feel like it could have they could have like punched that through a little little harder Um, and there could have been just like some just like it felt like there needed to be like one other thing that really like bit it that hard because I feel it I feel like at a certain point it just becomes a movie about you know, like, moving from point A to point B via, like, plot developments instead of actually exploring the theme or, or developing any of those ideas. Yeah. I feel like the movie's uh, reverence of the military is very yeah, God. 50s slash 80s, it's so, so bad, that might be one of the ways in yeah. which the satire fails. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought like for a second I was like, okay, so authoritarian figures like teachers, cops, parents, yeah. <laughs> like they like slowly but surely are like turned inside out. Like, okay, so the one person that's like out to look out for you is the nurse. And I was kind of figuring out. Okay, Universal so healthcare. I, I, yeah. I bet she's going to get turned in a second as well. And then it's just him. That's going to be interesting. Maybe he's going to have to like find some kids that are the only people left alive. Uh, but uh, oh, and actually, like listeners of one of our previous canons might remember that this there was one movie when I was that I watched when I was a kid that really scared the shit out of me, which was like a body snatcher movie, but was not a body snatcher movie. And when I started watching this, I was like, wait, was it this movie? But no, no, it wasn't. No, not at all. No way, Knight in this movie. Not even someone who looks vaguely like Wayne Knight. So definitely. Not this, and it's like this movie is like it's really not scary, and I I wonder like it's is it like purposefully not scary? Like is he trying to make fun of like scary themes without really making them super scary? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, I mean, it feels like, uh, like exactly what Canon was known for. It's like a hodgepodge of various, th- like more popular movies from <laughs> a few years before. It's like there's a little bit of ET in there. There's a little bit of um, uh, what was it? Labyrinth. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the monsters have definitely like that. <laughs> kind of vibe then um but uh there was one other one that i was thinking of specifically invasion um, of the body snatches no <laughs> but uh oh no i was thinking of gremlins in the way that it's like you know so over the top like referential to the 50s but like in a kind of jokey way but like all, not funny because it's not yeah but yeah. But it definitely has, like, all of that vibe going on. Because it's not directed by Joe Dante. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard line to walk. Right. Not and I, I, I mean, can walk it. Yeah, this... I also, like... Not only is this kid bad, he also makes terrible faces. Yeah. Like, uh, those, like, when, when he opens the window the first time, and it's just like the light is like shining into his face, and he just like <laughs> keeps like gradually opening his mouth and widening his eyes more and more with each shot. There, like really there are a couple of times where I think to save money, they're just shooting actors responding to things instead of showing the thing itself. And I was like, right. oops, this was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I like... Should have just spent that money. <laughs> you fucked up. Yeah. But, I, like, like, that's something that, like, can't be... Like, that couldn't even be, like, attributed to as, like, the kid's fault. Because, like, everyone on set is, like, looking at him make that face. And they have, like, <laughs> monitors or whatever. They would, like, wow. at some point, someone should have been, like... Like this isn't gonna look good. Like this, like he's like kind of an awkward-looking kid who's making even more like awkward-looking faces for like this whole movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, not cool at all. People don't want to look at that. John Favreau is the yeah. assistant director, and he's like, "We could go bigger." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That the part when he's running away at the very end. He's swinging his arms literally in circles, and I was like, there's no one who runs that way. Phoebe and Friends, she runs like that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess it was a requirement of the 80s that you either ape or respond to Steven Spielberg, since he was the king. (laughs) You couldn't make your own movie. It was either, yeah. in this case, aping, or in Joe Dante's case, responding. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh... There are a lot of gross scenes out. with eating in this movie. Um, so, I don't know what the whole issue with food uh, really is, but a lot of this movie is about people, like, so his parents make making gross food or mm-hmm. eating gross food, like, his mom at one point just starts eating ground meat with salt. Yeah. <laughs> raw <laughs> ground like, meat. Raw ground like, meat uh, with salt. Really so, gross. like, some tartar like there. <laughs> that's, that's part of Toby Hooper's thing. He's yeah, a vegetarian, that's what I. So. Yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, like I, I uh, figured like what you know Basil had written about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre being uh, a pretty uh, pro uh, or uh, anti meat eating uh, movie. Definitely yep. anti factory farming came out here. Except there's like no real point attached to her. Right. It doesn't that, fit in you know, with the overall yeah, um, movie. So that's just like a gross scene. And there's the teacher who's eating the frog. But it's not uh, gross enough, also. Yeah. That's my right. problem. I mean, it's still just a PG movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But, <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to say earlier that if I had known in advance this movie is rated PG, I probably wouldn't have voted it as high as I did to pick it. 
Yeah, probably get that. the Toby Hooper uh, catalog. There, I've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now this. <laughs> yeah. Where to go next? <laughs> probably rewatch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do kind of want to watch Life Force. Life Force has some. Oh yeah, uh, Life Force, uh, another another canon movie. Is it a canon movie? I believe it so. Was? Yeah. Um, I guess they had a close relationship there for a little while. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Let me make yeah. sure I'm I'm right on. Now that yeah. now that I'm thinking of. Uh, I wish you had just before. picked Life Force instead. But oh, for a second I thought you meant canon as in like. Canonized oh no no not canonized but yeah canon group there's that <laughs> yeah you don't remember when we all yep. canonized life force it's one of the best movies ever god i have like, naked alien women how many episodes have i missed <laughs> <laughs> yep it is, during a, the it is autobiographical canon we all agreed that life force was one of the movies <laughs> yeah. that influenced the three of us most <laughs> while you were at the bathroom yeah <laughs> yeah yep. it is a Golan Globus production, Life Force. Yes. Oh, also a Dan O'Bannon yeah. pinned film, or he's one of it the was, writers. There's like five writers yeah. listed for that movie. When they yeah. first like arrive at the military station, there's a lot of cool like Return of the Living Dead esque shots of like nighttime with like huge spotlights, you know, making everyone mm-hmm. like these weird shadowy figures, and I was like, oh. I'm, like, into this because, yeah, the, those people are, like, super scary. Um, right. And, but I was also, like, worried from, like, a plot standpoint. I'm like, if the military turns against them, this nurse who can't do anything but scream and the boy who has no skills are just, like, doomed. And I'm like, I mean, I guess that's okay if that's where <laughs> the plot goes. But it was hard for me to see the plot going in that direction based on the film at that yeah. point. And then it was just like... Well, no, the military's good. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yep. Get rid of everything <laughs> bad about the 50s, but keep the military. They were on the right track yeah. back then. Actually, like, yeah. Make the military the, even more military-like. And, like, yeah, the, like, Bud character, when he's like, they understand us. Let's talk to them. We can communicate. And <laughs> he just gets vaporized and, like, ah, shoot everything. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like oh, no. I was confused at first that they included that. I was like, okay, like this kind of muddies the waters a little bit, and then it's like it was kill them, and I was like, now the now it's, the waters are really muddied. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. NASA's <laughs> uh, this... bad too, though. Like according to this movie, NASA's kind of full yeah. of shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> The solution yeah. to the problems of the 50s is to become fascist against the 50s. Yep. <laughs> Send in yeah, the I troops. Say, I mean, it would be actually way more interesting almost if, like, the if the movie had begun with, like, the invaders from Mars, like, invading and bringing, like libertine ideas and stuff like that and then that's what everything rebels against and then that would make sense that the military wins at the end it's like <laughs> no we refuse all this revolution we're gonna keep things the way they are we're gonna kill you for trying to change us yeah like control too movie. when they try to get them to eat vegetables <laughs> right <laughs> like no i won't eat vegetables <laughs> <laughs> die <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> oh man, troll too. <laughs> well, uh, oh my gosh, it, it hurts to laugh because I'm still kind of sick, so yeah. it makes me cough. Sorry. I apologize to our listeners if my wheezing cough sound is a distraction, but um, oh, uh, I I laughed really hard, not in a good way, at the like bad vertigo shot. There's, like, a part where, like, uh, it's Karen Black and the kid, and they see something, and it does the thing where the camera pushes in while zooming out, and I was like, why is this here? Like, this is such a silly thing to include right now, but... 
somewhat similar. I didn't laugh very hard, but I kind of chuckled when they said that the aliens were stealing all the copper wire from the military <laughs> base. And I was like, so the aliens are just your average poor person. <laughs> right. Yeah, the aliens oh are like yeah. bu- bubbles from the wire or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. They need copper wire to survive. <laughs> but yeah. I like that in the end or whatever, like... Every time they load the cannon, they're, like, loading these long, huge copper rods, and then, like, one penny can also power that super gun. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a special penny. Yeah. It's a... Mint condition. Yeah, mint condition double D or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then it's all a dream, and then it's not all a dream. <laughs> nope. Yeah. What a great what? ending. Yeah. The, the, ending <laughs> the ending of this... <laughs> oh, man. I mean... The, like, I feel like if reverse. that's the commentary, then it sort of works, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work within the movie, but like, like a cogent. If you're trying to comment on the idea of like, uh, history as like a nightmarish cycle or whatever, where people <laughs> keep repeating nice. things over nice. and over again, like, then, then that part sort of makes sense. But it doesn't make sense as like a. He's like Jesus or like some kind of religious prophet. He foresaw it in a dream. <laughs> and then... Yeah. It came true. <coughs> he foresaw it in a dream. <laughs> he saw the double reverse coming. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What I do you think he walked in on his parents doing at the end of the movie? <laughs> no! <laughs> No! Because, like, you know, of course the implication is, like, alien stuff or whatever, but, like, yeah. in yeah. the original dream, they don't become aliens until much later. So. Right. And, and plus, the, <laughs> I it, think... the, the main alien does look kind of weirdly phallic, so perhaps it really is just his subconscious, like, playing up his parents <laughs> having sex. Yeah. Well, that nightmare. <laughs> just <laughs> barging in on his parents doing it. Oh my god. No, younger sibling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like household. anxiety about no longer being the. To me, walking in on my. Child. Trying to like sneak in onto my grandparents watching a sex movie and coming away from it feeling like my grandparents are cool <laughs> watching sex films together. He's just watching Malcolm McDowell's dick. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, oh, I was just going to say oh, that this ahead. movie is like filled with cliches, but just like what I said at the beginning is very true of them. It neither like organically uses them or steers into them in a way as to make them ridiculous there's a part when the military is looking at something and i think it's the second main military dude the one who gets captured and uh reprogrammed he's looking Mm -hmm. at something off screen and he's like my god (laughs) 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 it's like wait no seriously (laughs) me think of that tweet um where someone was uh like the uh, president being informed that a foreign power has thousands of missiles, and he's like, "So what?" Yes, sir. They also have cubes. My God. <laughs> <laughs> cubes. <laughs> yeah, my. Uh, I mean, this similar thing with like once that guy's reprogrammed, and then he's like. Shoot me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What the fuck was that? <laughs> like so, in this, with this particular military guy, he's like somehow like his mind is so strong because he's from the military that he's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. guys, he's able to fight it off slightly. The mind powers. I've been uh, been infiltrated. It's because his heart was filled with love. He and that uh, colonel or whatever were in love with each other. That's why he was so yeah. upset when he fell into the sandhill. Yep. Yep. If only, if only they could have been free to express their love for one another. 
It doesn't um, really matter, but also, as far as, like, uh, Body Snatcher movies go, like, having to have someone bring them all the way onto the ship, lay them down on that thing, and, like, have the slow-moving thing that inserts it into them. Like, how do they transform that many people that fast if it's, like, that laborious a process? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems really inefficient hope, like, compared to... In the meeting when they were planning this invasion of Earth, they were like, okay, <laughs> so this thing that changes people... Make sure it gets there really slowly. Like, make sure, like, it takes, like, at least an hour to stick it into their necks. Because otherwise, like... And we uh, only need one of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, they were also, um, when they were discussing it, they said, uh, hey, so this is, like you said, a a laborious process and it's going to take some time. So we want to start right at the top so that we can convince as many people you know, willingly to come in, so we're going to choose this kid's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he seems important. <laughs> and, Not uh, the mayor or yeah. a general. Yeah. This kid's dad is a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> and then this teacher that nobody likes, she's a really yeah. good target, too. <laughs> she's got access to the school bus, at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get on the bus. <laughs> this is actually the prequel to the Spike Lee film. Yep. <laughs> Get on the bus. That's what that movie's actually about. <laughs> this teacher. <laughs> and brainwashing people to come and be abducted by Martians. Louise Fletcher apparently really liked this experience, though, so, because so, she did I come back too. and starred in Life Force, apparently, or or, <laughs> nice. or was it Brain Brain Force? I, I forgot. Like one of these movies she was in. I don't no, it was sorry. It was Brainstorm. It wasn't like Brainstorm. Storm. That's a. Mixed those That's two what up. I got when I was watching brain this force. movie. You <laughs> got a brainstorm. A storm in my brain. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I were an actor, this is what I would want to do. It's just have fun, not take it too seriously. Yell a bunch. <laughs> Get eaten by a big alien. <laughs> just big All those actors who are awards chasing by physically punishing themselves like Leo DiCaprio and The Revenant and uh, J-Law and Mother. I just, no. No thanks. That's not, is that my deal? <laughs> I don't want to tap into make... any emotions. I'm going to run around and yell. <laughs> just want to make that, just want to make just overreacting faces to things. <gasps> no! So Louise Fletcher got nominated for a Raspberry Award for this role in 1986, but lost to to Dom DeLuise, and like, this is uh, great, because Wikipedia says, Dom DeLuise, uh, in drag, won 1986's Worst Actress Award. Oh, wow, no. the raspberries. I, I started. Up, I, I was. I was about to say, wow, the raspberries were very forward-thinking and just giving awards to whatever, not determining them by gender. And then yeah. there was the opposite. They were backwards-thinking. No, they were worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, the yeah. Razzies are. Extremely bad. Like they're the only, worse than the Oscars. The only good thing about about the Razzies is Paul Verhoeven going there and accepting his awarded person. Mm-hmm. Anyone That's accepting true. the awarded person is always funny. Yeah, yeah Sandra B. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sandra Bullock arrived with like a shopping cart full of the Tao of Sieve or whatever she won for, and yeah, handed it out to the audience. <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then she like went straight to the Oscars because it was in the same city <laughs> and won an Oscar like a day later. Ali Berry also accepted it, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Ali Berry accepted it, yeah. I don't know if she did anything funny there. No, I don't uh, remember, but yeah. cool on her to do that. I just. Hey, I was, it's an award. 
<laughs> I was clicking around on Letterboxd and then someone wrote a review of Life Force that's pretty cool. It has a quote from Toby Hooper where he's talking about making the movie and he's like, it was more like career murder, but I'm really proud of Life Force because no one will ever be brave enough to do a movie like that again. Even now people watch that film with its massive budget and think, what the hell? <laughs> but I knew that in time it'd be considered cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, I feel like that's obviously a little bit of uh, you know rewriting of your own personal history but I guess Toby Hooper did a lot of cocaine so maybe he was like oh shit they gave me all this money I'm going to make the craziest movie ever I know it's going to sink my career and the studio, but it'll be worth it because <laughs> all these people will lose one, their jobs. Yeah, it'll be worth it because maybe one day people realize just how awesome and woo! I'm doing coke. It'd be fun to um, go through a bunch of those movies or something the movies that the huge budget movies that ended a director's career like right. there's that and there's um what's it called one through the heart or uh one from the heart yeah. yeah one from the heart i'm gonna watch that one very soon because i bet it's you're awesome a, just you're like in a coppola every other ride coppola yeah. movie right now <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, i mean except for his Except for The Godfather yeah. and The Godfather Part 2. Yeah, The Godfather Part 1 is pretty good. Part 2 is the part same two, movie. And Part 2 is, yeah, not good. It's the same movie, but longer. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite, my favorite thing. <laughs> but I do... I do like the idea that, like, he even almost remade it. Yeah. <laughs> no. I like that he was well, like, I mean, oh, what made the first movie? What made people like the first movie? I'm just going to take all those things and make them worse. <laughs> like, yeah. worse to watch. But I mean. I know what Baz was going to say because I read loosecannons.net. <laughs> yeah. Assuming it's the thing nah. you said in your review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> like, people. People just misinterpret. I mean, they still do like misinterpret the movie that Michael Corleone's an alright guy. Yeah, pretty cool. And, and that the movie was pro Cuba back in oh November, yeah, nineteen seventy. Yeah, I wasn't actually thinking of that part. I was. I mean, I can say that because <laughs> it's true, which is pretty cool of it. But I was gonna say like, mm. I, I I made me wonder partly if like he. Like, the response to The Godfather was like, eh, people are liking this bad person a little too much, maybe. Yeah. What if I made him worse? What if I made him, like, murder his brother? Then will people get what I'm going for? <laughs> the answer is no. Nope. The answer He's the bad is guy no. Yet? <laughs> Definitely not. Not under capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why he made The Godfather Part 3 20 years later and made it, like, Purposefully, even worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Al Pacino oh. literally dies on a chair by himself with nice. no one around him and no <laughs> one that cares. And, like, okay, still the coolest guy ever. <laughs> there are yep. a lot of movies that are satires of the lengths you have to go to to succeed in capitalism, and then people are like, wow, he really did it. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not the point of the movie at all. What a great person. He's so committed. He, took, <laughs> he bet on himself. I mean, people do... He took a chance, and he bet on himself. People do take the brand to pull Scarface at face value, so... Yeah, they sure do. He's a martyr. You, I don't know what you have to do. <laughs> Brian DePaul was like, no, guys, seriously, come on. He wants to <laughs> do it with This is the guy you want to idolize. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> I was reading a list of the best sports tweets, uh, it's very tangentially related, and I think it was mm -hmm. JaVale McGee tweeted that he wanted to have, like, a television 
behind him that followed him around constantly in loop of the people who helped him get where he was today, right? So it seems like a very positive tweet at the beginning and the last three words are like, it'd be a short list or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it made me think of like the whole Scarface mentality of fuck everyone else. (laughs) I I did it. Capitalism kind of is so stupid. <laughs> Self-made man. <laughs> but that must be why people don't like The Godfather Part 3 as much as the others. They're like, yeah. oh, that's not, that's not the Michael Corleone I like. I like him when he's killing his family members. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I you like, gotta do sometimes. I like it when all the people around him die in terrible ways, and he, <laughs> but he looks good in his suit. That's what I like. That's the part I like. Maybe that's why Al Pacino went uh, insane, like acting wise. It's like he made Godfather Part 1 and 2, and he's like, I'm the bad guy. And then everyone was like, good job. And then he's like, I made Scarface. And he's like, no, look, the piles of cocaine. I'm the bad guy. And they're like, good job. And he's like, right. no. And then he's like, in the devil's advocate. And he's like, I'm the devil. <laughs> like, oh, I get it now. He's the bad guy. <laughs> oh, man. And he's like, oh, thank God. I think, just likes, I think he just <laughs> likes playing villains. I mean, he did he did make a whole documentary oh, yeah, about sure. playing Richard the Third. So I think he's just he's like really into playing villains. But like he used to have like a level of subtlety. Yeah. <laughs> to like the plane that was lost. Self awareness, I suppose, to a certain point. <laughs> yeah, at some time in the eight, late '80s, early '90s, he just lost it, and now he's an insane person. And he's like, one inch at a time. Give up your eyeballs for football. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> eyeballs for football. Yeah, it happens on any given Sunday. Someone gets their eyeball knocked out. And he's yeah. like, get back out on the field! <laughs> <laughs> people love him. They think he's the hero of that one, too. Yeah. What a good coach. Uh, he's really dedicated. Yeah. People, people play that, like, speech <laughs> for, like, inspiration and whatever. Yeah. Like, man. When it should have time. So fucking uh-huh. weird. Weird. I, I would wish that in a, in a more perfect world, People would play the speech that Brad Pitt does in Moneyball for inspiration. <laughs> like, you might not look like a winning team, <laughs> but you are one. <laughs> so, play like one tonight. <laughs> My favorite anti-motivational <laughs> speech ever, and it's like Brad Pitt's most perfect delivery, I think, ever. <laughs> Statistically speaking, <laughs> you, you are a winning now. team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh. Wow. <laughs> glad we, glad we ended here. We could, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think we could talk about invaders from Mars this long, but it was, there was really a lot to dig into. And here we are proving them wrong. Proving it wrong. It's a short list. (laughs) Imagine how short the podcast would be if, like, we all lived together in a house and we were just talking about all the stuff we needed to talk about regularly, as as opposed to the time that we get together to talk to each other. (laughs) Somebody needs to be like, I don't like the movie. (laughs) It's like, all right, podcast over. (laughs) whose turn is it to take out the trash yeah I looked at my timer like at a certain point when it felt like the conversation was winding down and I was like are we going to really release a 25 minute podcast (laughs) I guess we might yeah we will that's it bringing back the classic loose cannons days of little Caesar (laughs) (laughs) loose cannons classic podcast another movie about a great anti-hero (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>
What do you mean I'm yellow? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody quits on Rico. <laughs> uh, oh, my only note that I haven't really talked about is there's a part when his dad comes into the bedroom to like talk to him and for some reason they know they neither like cut away to like a different shot nor like change the framing at all so for like a an extremely long period of time it's just a shot of his dad's butt in his PJs. Like, he's, like, <laughs> bent over the bed and the kid is just, like, I'm just, like, now I'm just staring at his dad's butt. Like, it's, it's a weird choice to be over. <laughs> we should make that, uh, the, the picture uh, on the website. Uh, the, the, yeah. The still image of that should be. If I can find it, I will definitely do that. <laughs> But it is a like weird thing a little bit because this is like such a strange pastiche in like a schlocky way that like like this is a children's movie really I mean it's like rated PG it's cheesy but like all these reference points are like things that I can't imagine someone who's actually like 8 or 9 in the 80s like getting at all like I don't know. But I guess that's true of Stranger Things as well. Pearl loves it, even though she hasn't seen any 80s movies. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't grow up with, like, 80s <laughs> references, really. Yeah, referentiality is overrated in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like people uh, assume that someone has to know uh, something... Uh, in order to get it, and uh, often, more often than not, people uh, don't really care <laughs> about yeah. what. For sure, exactly when it's used that way, I mean that's nothing. That's just yeah. an, mm. it's a pandering inside joke. But when yeah. it's used in the way that hip hop artists use old soul music by blending uh, cool old stuff into a new thing, mm-hmm. then it rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true and then when white people do it where they take that hip-hop and then blend it with the Beatles and <laughs> Led Zeppelin then it then it rules even harder yeah as we learned on that other podcast yes uh wait which podcast are we talking about oh uh, it was Girl the one you're not uh, you were uh, yeah, oh, we're, we're oh, talking okay. about the girl, the, the girl talk as a reference. To, oh, I thought we were talking about the. I thought we were talking about the gray album. Yeah, I thought uh, gray album. No. First I was well. like, wait a minute. Yeah, Danger Mouse isn't white. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I led with the wrong foot. As I was saying it, I was like, oh, this could be misconstrued. But then I was like, but that was the first one that popped into my head. And then I was like, oh, I should have said Led Zeppelin because that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the. Uncomfortable yeah, right. conversation t- we had about girl talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Most of the time it is white people doing that. Yeah. And also, I think, in a weird way, it's... it's you know what would that... make me like this rap music? Yeah, yeah. It's less spicy. <laughs> it's a little too spicy. It's too spicy for me. Should we mix it Let's a little bit. put some mayonnaise Beatles? on there. Yeah. <laughs> Should we put the Beatles in there? <laughs> I love the Beatles. <laughs> it was a little embarrassing how much people loved the Grey album more than the Black album. <laughs> I was like, shut up. <laughs> there was, okay, I believe it. there was oh, okay. ten songs on the Black album, and one song was improved between the Black <laughs> album and the Grey album. So... Good job, one song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not even, like, a bad idea. Like, it would have been fun if people did, like, way more. Because, I mean, that was, like, what he... Yeah. Like, like, Jay-Z gave his vocal tracks away for free so people could do cool stuff. And then, like, the most famous one was just, like, the most obvious one. Yeah. Like, look at this funny juxtaposition. <laughs> 
Yeah, Danger Mouse got briefly pretty famous off of it. Yep. That's cool for Danger Mouse's producing career took off. And then he ended up producing U2. Nice. (laughs) (coughs) He's the new Brian Eno. Yep. (laughs) Oh, that means Brian Eno should produce uh, Jay-Z's next album. I'd listen to that. Yeah, they they should just make an ambient album. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. That would be good. Then, uh, then Danger Mouse went on to produce with uh, David Lynch. He did an album with David Lynch. Oh, yeah. It was pretty funny. I was like, hey, that's interesting. David Lynch likes some weird music. Some of it good, some of it really bad. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a real There's... mixed bag, that guy. Uh, probably one of the most embarrassing moments in the new Twin Peaks is when Nine Inch Nails performs. <laughs> wow. Trent Reznor is like the that happens. like a fifty year old dork. <laughs> that sounds like Trent Reznor. I don't know. Like it, it it amazes me that people can like watch it and take it like even a little bit seriously because like I feel like it's pitched so hard that like if I didn't know better I would think Trent Reznor was like doing a joke on, like, people who sing really sincerely when they're, like, the front man of a band. He's, like, ah, and he's, like, making all these, like, pained faces while he's, like, singing the lyrics, and I'm just, like, oh, boy, I just feel bad for you right now. Like, mm. this is embarrassing. The but. Spotify end-of-the-year algorithm was able to correctly pin my age at 34 years, and I was, like, <laughs> oh, I listen to a lot of, like, new music, so I'm kind of surprised about this, but then it was like, um, it was like people listen to hip hop 25, and I was like, okay, um, and I was like, people who listen to singer songwriters 37, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently my Sophie and Stevens. Justin Bieber, Angel Young People Music, Sophia Stevens. Oh nope. It's a lie. He's trying to pretending to be young. <laughs> no young no young person listens to this. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, uh. But yeah, um, uh, the new Twin Peaks several episodes ends with uh, pseudo live performances. It's just like people lip syncing to their own songs. But uh, that just that the last bad. episodes of Twin Peaks are just clips of people lip syncing to songs. <laughs> like or, or no, no, like... it's like like uh, people oh, the people in the in the Twin Peaks universe they go to this bar uh, bar ah, all the time. Okay. And like uh, the several episodes end, yeah, like with the people at the bar, and then right. for some reason, someone super famous, like Chromatics or whatever, are playing <laughs> right. in this tiny yeah. town, in this tiny bar. Yeah. But okay. Chibo Mato is coming to the bronze? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in <Sugar>. Sunnydale? <laughs> Water. <sighs> yeah. But. The weirdest one right. was. Yeah. <laughs> ah. I decided some time ago that I wasn't going to be like, you guys ready to wrap this up and just yeah. see how long you would keep talking. It, it'll be a while. Or someone else wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get some food in a, in a, in a bit at some point. Yeah. But otherwise. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm determined to make this eight hour podcast. You were right. joking earlier, but. Bye. I'm making it, it happen. It's uh, on the clock, so yeah. yeah. Right, I'm my gonna, experiment, but I'm um, going to just order stuff on my phone while we speak. <laughs> Thanks for it's listening, work out. everybody. Idea. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If so, please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a five star rating review on iTunes. You can also find all of our content videos writings, and other podcasts on loosecannons.net. We appreciate you checking it out. And uh, next week, like I said, I believe it's going to be the Asian Action Cannon, so look forward to that. 
super powered podcast. <laughs> We've been training for years right. to do this podcast. All, all sorts of martial arts. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Who's Oliver's sub-podcast?